In a resurfaced video from 2021, the self-managed abortion YouTube channel, yes, that's a thing, features a woman teaching abortion-minded women how to build an actual altar for their, quote, sacred abortion experience, including a container for the remains of the baby. And a pro-life woman goes undercover and infiltrates the Iowa Jane Collective, who recently held an abortion doula training and instructed participants on how to perform do-it-yourself abortions at home and support women seeking to kill their babies as states move to restrict the procedure. As the enemy continues to overplay his hand, his servants do too. (laughs) And they are now openly advocating for sacrificing aborted babies on actual altars. If only Christians were as zealous for their religion as the Satanists are for theirs. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Well, welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are coming to you from the road, as I have been in Colorado this weekend, doing three events in a row with the Mountain Republicans and Evergreen, Colorado Right to Life event at Colorado Christian University, and Sunday, August 7th at a wonderful church called Agape Kingdom Fellowship in Wheat Ridge, getting people engaged in the fight and equipped to stand in a moment like today because we are beginning to realize, and if you probably have for some time, that if the church doesn't wake up and wake up very quickly and <laughs> with a lot of excitement and energy to engage the culture, um, this abortion battle is only going to get bloodier and we may never end this evil in our lifetime. I think it's so what 38 states you need for a constitutional amendment. Um, that you would need to put a personhood amendment in the Constitution and ban abortion at the federal level. We're not going to get to 38 states anytime soon, barring a miracle or act of God. And the left, as you've seen, is losing their minds. That's why we covered in the podcast last week that the Biden administration is considering to amend a federal statute so that if a pro-life obstetrician won't perform an abortion because he has moral or religious beliefs against it, he could be sued for discrimination. Uh, Yes, the manipulation of language by the left once again. You might say, well, Seth, isn't it discriminatory to kill a baby in the womb because they haven't met a certain uh, functional checkbox for personhood that the left demands they meet? That sounds like discrimination to me. Uh, But in the la-la land of leftism, it's discrimination to deny killing a child. Uh, My whole point is this. They're losing their minds. They're so angry. They're rending their garments. They're screaming for blood. The old pagan Aztec deity uh, small g gods that are accustomed to child sacrifice are famished as they're losing their daily morsels of unborn aborted children. Their meals are smaller, and the spirit of the age, which finds their its most comfortable home in today's Democrat Party, is very angry. And so I I wanted to jump into the show today talking on this issue from that spiritual side of things, that religious side of things, because of the religious admissions of so many abortophiles and abortion advocates. Now, if you have been involved in the pro-life movement for some time or have followed these things closely, you know that the other side, well, the honest advocates on the other side, have admitted that abortion is kind of religious for them. It's, dare I say, a sacrament. They'll even admit that the baby becomes a sacrifice. But most abortion advocates aren't that honest. They won't speak so honestly. And yet some are again now. And I think it's because of what we said in the intro to the show. When the enemy overplays his hand, his servants do too. Reminds me of what Christ said when he was blasting the Pharisees one time. He says, you are of your father, the devil, uh, and that's why you do your father's bidding. And I, I think that's the spiritual reality 
in this abortion battle. Now, if, if you're a new listener to the show or your heart's been recently awakened to this fight and to the plight of the unborn, maybe you're thinking, man, maybe I'm not going to listen to this podcast. This Seth guy sounds like a total kooky weirdo talking about sacraments and, and religious ceremonies and abortion. What a weirdo. It's, it's, just, it's just a bad thing that some people do um, and we should stop it. But it's not like it's not like religious. It, they're atheists, after all. Most of the left aren't Christians. So why are you talking about it being a religious? Well, I think it's important for you to grasp this because it, I, I'm not the one admitting this anymore. I'm not the one saying this. I'm not the one treating abortion in that way. I understand that that's what it is. It's now the proponents of abortion and the rise of the abortion doula that is treating it and speaking of it in the way I just described to you. And we're going to get into that in just one second. But hey, if you're a new listener to the show or haven't given the show a rating and review, would you do that? Would you leave us five stars? Let us know what you think. It really helps. Um, we've been seeing the show crack the top 100 recently, repeatedly actually, in the news commentary category, which has shows like the Michael Knowles Show, the Charlie Kirk Show, the Steve Day Show, Ali Bestucki, uh, write wonderful shows. And, the, and obviously the news commentary category is quite large. Uh, and so recently, I, I've noticed that ours has been the only pro-life related podcast that focuses on pro-life in that top 100. That's pretty cool. And you help the show drive up the ratings and more people see it if you do that. So do that for us. It takes a few seconds. We really appreciate it. So in a resurfaced video from 2021 that um, some friends and pastors of mine were sending around to, to me and others, it, it features a, a woman by the name of Lindsay Bork. And Lindsay Bork apparently runs a YouTube channel literally called Self-Managed Abortion. You heard me right. Self-Managed Abortion. Teaching women how to kill their babies by themselves without a physician present, probably without any physician advice, and certainly not at an abortion center. And so this woman has a whole series of videos on like yoga and abortion and yoga following your post-abortion and what to do with the fetal remains and air, fire, wind and water and the earth, man, mother earth and releasing your babies back into the earth, man. And it makes you kind of realize, oh, uh, they're being very honest about how they view abortion. And so I want to play you a video from this, but, but firstly, what is an abortion doula? I've heard this term for many years. It's not a new phenomenon, but it is a growing one. It is a growing one. And so I'm saying this now on this show. Okay. I'm predicting this now. You can save this episode and quote me a few years from now. The rise of the abortion doula will be a new phenomenon in a post row America. Because these women are nothing but priestesses of death who help guide women and, and lead them to Lilith. And we'll, we'll talk to you about who Lilith is a little bit later in the show. Who, who literally help provide what they call compassionate loving care to gently lead women through the doors of death. They define an abortion doula as a person who provides compassionate and non-judgmental support through an abortion experience. Notice the, the, um, notice the manipulation of language. Uh, abortion is judgmental because it tells women they can't be tr truly equal with men unless they kill their children. And abortion is judgmental because it's very judgmental to kill someone. And abortion kills babies. Also, they say throughout throughout an abortion experience. Imagine, imagine, um, I don't know, a, a slavery supporter, plantation owner, saying in 1850, uh, we 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 kindly uh, and and carefully train new plantation owners how to effectively manage their slavery experience. Uh, and you would say that's very weird language because s slavery is being wrought on the black man and woman. They're the ones experiencing it, and it's evil. But when they use the word abortion experience, they're using that phrase to say it's the woman who experiences the abortion, right? They, they literally say a person who provides compassionate, non-judgmental support throughout an abortion experience. Who are they providing the quote-unquote compassionate and non-judgmental support to? The woman, the pregnant mother. But abortions are not performed on, on women or mothers. They're performed on babies. 
abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. When we say abortion, we're talking about the human, the thing in the womb that got aborted. And so, once again, just notice the manipulation of language. So this abortion doula is quite popular. Um, and I want to play you one video from one short video from her YouTube channel. Um, and, th and then we'll talk about it. But uh, check this out and uh, see if you can make it through. Building an altar for your abortion can be a really cathartic procedure, can be a really cathartic process because it just creates a space for your, your sacred container where you can return to whenever you want to meditate, whenever you want to think deeply or contemplate any aspect of your abortion. It's a really beautiful way to just give reverence to the experience and hold the experience in a really sacred way. Really just clean the space, clean myself. I like to always have a candle going on my altar. I'm also going to be adding an Empress tarot card today and she really just symbolizes feminine fertility and feminine energy. I also really like to add the abortion pills themselves to the altar to really bless the pills that we're going to be taking into our bodies during this process. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I had to pause that. We'll, we'll finish this in just one second. Uh, okay, if you're, if you're listening to this uh, in your car, in your earphones, you should head over to the YouTube channel, subscribe, and watch this woman. Um, she, she sounds possessed, first of all. She sounds so creepily, creepily calm um, that, that it just indicates... Uh, I think demonic activity but notice how she starts this she says we're creating a space for our sacred container when she says the container guys she's about to explain to you that's where she puts the baby pieces whenever you want to meditate and give reverence she said to the experience give reverence to the experience and hold it in a really sacred way so she's using explicitly religious language reverence awe sacred. By the way, let, let's define the word sacred. Sacred is defined as connected with God or dedicated to a religious purpose and so deserving veneration. Actually, the online definition says connected with God or the gods. It says in parentheses or the gods. Right, exactly. And she says an empress tarot card she puts on her altar. And then she says, and I put the abortion pills next to the empress goddess who's the goddess of fertility. And, and we're going to get into who that goddess really is in just one second. Um, I have referenced this one other time on the podcast since we started this podcast in 2019. And I, my mind's just been all over the place with the culture and speaking and, and raising a family. I, I had forgotten about this. So I wanted to bring it back into the show today. And we're going to talk about exactly who this goddess is. But they're using explicitly religious language. They're saying this is a sacred experience. And so isn't it interesting that that they're admitting that the child was somehow intrinsically valuable, that the child had some dignity attached to them. Because if it was a polyp or if it was an organ, they would never use this type of language, right? If it was a kidney that got removed, there wouldn't be do-it-yourself kidney removal videos on the sacred experience of honoring your kidney, you only speak about abortion this way if you believe the baby is a baby. So we'll get into that too, but let's, let's finish this video. And she, of course, she's like, she's throwing, she's like um, waving incense all over the place. And she's saying, and just to clean me, did you hear her say that? Just to kind of clean me. Yeah, you do need to be cleaned up by the blood of Christ. So she's pursuing this like, uh, this almost like remission of sins uh, like fragrance sacrament to try to make herself feel clean. Uh, incredibly, incredibly uh, powerful in one way, but also disturbing. Uh, let's, let's see what else she has to say. And before having your abortion, I would even just recommend giving them a nice sage or a nice Palo Santo or with incense or another smoke to really cleanse the energy and really bless them and really put your intention for healing into the pills before you take them. And place the container 
of which you plan to put the, the products of conception or the fetal remains within to catch that after you've passed it and save it for later when we, when we find a way to, to bury or otherwise, um, to where we find a way to properly dispose of the fetal remains in a way that gives reverence and respect and support to this, to this sacred abortion experience. After you've finished building your altar, go ahead and just give it one more cleanse to really bring this space in as your own. And once your altar is complete, go ahead and just sit in front of it and the start of the sacred container. Alrighty, wow. So there you go. So notice she says, we put the baby in the container on the altar with with the uh, the goddess of abortion on the tarot card and, and, and the abortion pills that we bless with incense because we want to bless the pills going into our bodies when we kill the baby uh, and then and then we're going to worship at the altar and we're going to meditate we're going to give positive energy and, and pagan sacraments towards the baby and she says we're going to leave the baby in the container until later when we can dispose of it in a way that treats it with reverence. Once again, they're using language that you would only use if you believed that the baby was a baby and had some dignity attached to them. So it's just a full-blown admission now that the baby's a baby and we all know that, and you're just killing the baby. And so abortion doulas are now literally training and calling for the construction of altars on which you almost literally burn the murdered child to a pagan goddess whose picture is literally on the altar. And we have been told by apolitical, I'm neither left nor right pastors, for decades that this is a political issue and that's why we only tangentially reference it when we say God loves babies, but we don't actually do anything to stand against it. And yet the priestesses of abortion and the advocates of abortion are saying, yeah, it's a baby and we sacrifice it. And then we burn it on an altar and we worship ourselves. <laughs> you think you can preach against that pastor? You think you can preach against false religion? Just unreal. So who is Lindsay Bork? She's an abortion doula from Montana. Um, says her home state is poised to end legal access to the abortion services. If that does happen, she says, it will make me question if we'll continue to do business in my home state and if that's a safe place for me where my rights will be protected, she said. Bork has been an abortion doula for 15 years and believes abortion is a sacred process. She says, I have a strong connection to the creator or to God or to the conscious life force that connects us all. Bork says, who was raised Catholic, and I find most religions very beautiful, and I find really resonant truth in all of them, <laughs> right? So the coexist, right? Polytheism um, and, and the belief that, well, really all religions lead to God. Um, Bork aims to meet clients where they are, noting that the experience of abortion can be spiritual for some, while others might trigger a religious reckoning. One way she supports clients from a range of belief backgrounds is by helping them create personal rituals. There you go. I recommend having an altar or place of prayer for the whole duration of the procedure, Bork said. The client is invited to maybe write a letter to the baby. Okay, th so this is her speaking, okay? This is, not, it, it, this is not an author of an article quote, like saying what she told. This is the abortion doula speaking. The client is invited to maybe write a letter to the baby to explain the reasons for this. To say any last words, write a letter of goodbye that can be placed on the altar or any other items of spiritual importance. And then different times of deep contemplation can be spent there at the altar at different junctures of the process. Once again, you would never speak this way if it weren't a baby. And she actually has the clarity and consistency to use the term baby, which is super interesting because on the second half of the show, we're going to get into other abortion doulas that would actually have a bone to pick with Lindsay Bork. They would say, don't use the word baby. Stop saying that because it humanizes the child. Very interesting. So even the abortion doulas can't really decide which goddess they're worshiping <laughs> and, and what kind of language and strategy they should use in the abortion wars. But listen, this treatment of abortion as religious and sacramental is actually nothing new. Um, here are some examples. Last year, when Texas 
passed their six-week abortion ban when there was a detectable heartbeat, you remember, the Texas Satanic Temple came out. And on their website, here's what they said. The ritual may be performed by our members as a way to fortify self-worth, instill confidence, and provide spiritual comfort. And the Texas Satanic Temple has said before that abortion is one of their sacraments, being very honest. So what they're saying is the same thing Lindsey Bork is saying. It provides spiritual comfort. It's a religious act. And it, it helps us feel at peace with ourselves and Mother Earth, right? Okay, here's some other examples. Let's go way back in history. Greek author Cletarchos, a historian of Alexander the Great from the mid-4th century B.C., wrote this. Out of reverence for Kronos, who was the Greek equivalent of Baal, the Phoenicians, and especially the Carthaginians, whenever they seek to obtain some great favor, vow one of their children burning it as a sacrifice to the deity if they are especially eager to gain success. Or self-worth, <laughs> right? Which is what the Texas Satanic Temple says, which is what this abortion doula in Montana who runs these do-it-yourself or self-managed abortion YouTube channel is saying the baby simply becomes a sacrifice on our human flourishing, on our pursuit of happiness, on our self-worth. Andrew White, who's interestingly is a doctor, an MD, and has an MDiv, wrote a piece in the Journal of Biblical Ethics and Medicine years ago called Abortion and the Ancient Practice of Child Sacrifice. And he wrote this. He said, Fulfillment of a vow before or after obtaining a special favor from the gods, a favor that brings blessing or success to the dedicant, appears to be the most common reason for child sacrifice. So he's saying in his study of child sacrifice in biblical times, the most common reason for doing so was to receive a blessing or receive spiritual comfort from the deity you were sacrificing your babies to. It's the same admission once again. It, 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 it's the worship of self with the illusion that you're sacrificing it to some ancient pagan deity. And then lastly, Jeanette Paris, this uh, old school feminist and crazy abortion activist, wrote a book in 1992, the year after I was born. And you want to know the name of the book? The Sacrament of Abortion. <laughs> so when I'm speaking and I say, hey, guys, hey, you should realize that for the left, abortion is their sacrament because abortion says you must die so I can live. But Christ says so I must die so you can live. And abortion is the pagan replacement for man's pursuit of eternal life. And then you have abortion advocates in 1992 writing books called The Sacrament of Abortion. Here's a few lines from her book. She says, I have drawn inspiration throughout this book from a guiding image the Artemis of Greek mythology. Okay, who, who was the goddess Artemis? She was the goddess of childbirth. Weird, ironic, sick. <laughs> she, she says the inspiration for her book, where she calls abortion a sacrament, is a goddess who was the goddess of childbirth, which would entail what? The valuing and protection of life, <laughs> birthing children. And she's saying, oh, no, actually it provided the inspiration for me to defend killing children. She says, abortion is a sacrifice to Artemis. Abortion is a sacrifice for the gift of life to remain pure. I mean, it just makes you think of the Lindsay Bork figure, right? She's got all of her incenses. She's saying, it just, it, here, I do this and I, and I wave it on me to make myself feel clean. Right. You want to feel pure. <laughs> you have to convince yourself that what you did was not murder, but it was just your right. And then another line from Jeanette Paris's book, she says, our culture needs new rituals as well as laws to restore abortion to its sacred dimension. There's that word again, sacred dimension, which is both terrible and necessary. I have to think that Lindsay Bork has read Jeanette Paris, right? <laughs> she says, it's sacred, and it must be restored to a sacred dimension, which she says, I understand is terrible, but necessary. Here would be the question. <laughs> if the baby is an insensate blob of tissue and not a, per and not a person, and whatever's in the womb doesn't have rights, because it's not a person, it's not a baby, right? It's a blob of tissue. If that's true, then why would making abortion sacred be terrible? <laughs> right? It's like when the left said abortion needs to be safe, legal, and rare. And pro-lifers would say, 
But if the baby's not a baby, it's not a person and doesn't have rights, why should abortion be rare? Why should you make something rare if that thing is not morally evil? <laughs> right? So there's like this fundamental admission that the baby's a baby and it has dignity, but it's a terrible necessary right that must be protected. Jeanette Paris says that this is a ritual that we need. And now you have abortion doulas filming videos, teaching people how to do sacrificial rituals on altars. Hmm. Maybe the culture war was always just a proxy war for the spiritual war. Let me say this in no uncertain terms. Abortion doulas are just demons or demon-possessed priestesses of death. So let's talk about this goddess of abortion that I mentioned earlier. Have you ever heard of Lilith? L-I-L-T-H. Oh, I'm sorry. L-I-L-I-T-H. Lilith. Lilith. You ever heard of Lilith? There's an abortion fund that raises money to pay for women's abortions. It's an abortion fund. It's a nonprofit. They take donations to have a cash pile to sit on so poor women who can't afford to kill their children can get funding from this abortion fund. Do you want to know the name of that abortion fund? It's called the Lilith Abortion Fund. Their website is lilithfund.org. Lilith <laughs> is a demon that preyed on and murdered babies. In Jewish mythology and folklore, Lilith was a raven-haired demon who preyed on helpless newborn infants and seduced unsuspecting men, using their, quote, wasted seed to spawn hordes of demon babies. Uh, long before Judaism claimed her, Lilith-like demons were haunting the nightmares of ancient Sumerians, Assyrians, and Babylonians. Oh, right, because most of those people participated in child sacrifice. Shocker. Male and female demons called Liliu and Lil Lilitu respectively appeared in the Sumerian epic of Gilgamesh. Um, I went to a Christian college, right, Westmont College in Santa Barbara, and we studied a lot of these, these old ancient um, alternative creation stories, like the Epic of Gilgamesh. So I remember studying some of these things. And, and the Mesopotamian goddess Lamashtu, who was a winged demon that tormented women during childbirth, causing miscarriages and stealing breastfeeding infants. And, and so all of these various um, female uh, demon goddesses that targeted children all start with the word L, whether it was Lilu or Lilitu or Lamashtu or Lilith. They were L-named spirits, and the thing they have in common was a sinister desire to strike at humans where they were most vulnerable, particularly pregnant women and newborns. And so in Jewish folklore, Lilith is literally a demon who steals babies. When someone tells you or shows you who they are, okay, you should believe them. I, I want you to dwell on this question for a little bit. If the left really didn't believe that the baby was a baby, if they believed what they told us, right? And what do they tell us? It's not a person. It's not a baby. It's a blob of tissue. And it might have human DNA in it, but it's not a full human. It has no rights. It has no dignity. Okay, that's what they tell us. Okay, <laughs> pause. Follow this train of thought. It's actually a very simple train of thought. If they freaking believed that, why would some of the priestesses of the abortion industry, the leaders, the presidents of organizations, the activists, the radicals, the advocates, why would they name an organization after an ancient demon known for stealing babies? Isn't that an admission that the services they provide are related to babies? Right. It's called a Lilith fund, a demon fund to fund the killing of babies. I mean, can you get more honest than this? <laughs> if I could find pastors who have as much clarity on this fight as the abortion advocates do, I could change the world. Now, of course, I am finding many of those pastors. We're connecting with them, and we're starting pro-life ministries, and we're getting them engaged. And I'm friends with some absolute warrior pastors that I'm very grateful for, but they're still the minority. Here's another example. There's an abortion clinic in Portland, Oregon that opened in 2021. Do you want to know the name of that abortion clinic? You're, yeah, you probably already guessed it, right? The Lilith Clinic. The Lilith Clinic. 
it's not just a fund that raises funds to kill babies. They literally kill babies in a center named after a goddess demon known for stealing babies and causing pregnant women to miscarry. Two months after the Love Joy Abortion Center closed. Yeah, yeah. There was an abortion center in Portland, Oregon called Love Joy. Okay. <laughs> or just outside of Portland. I'm sorry. Love Joy Abortion Center closed in early 2021 or at the end of 2020. The Lilith Clinic opened shortly after in downtown Portland. It wasn't as large as Lovejoy had been, but the clinic is working to fill the gap that the closure left behind. Um, the Lilith Clinic opened its doors in March of 2021 during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Many staff members, including, um, or many staff members, rather, carried over from Lovejoy to the Lilith Clinic. And the director said, just because there was a pandemic, the need for health care for women didn't go away. They're naming their center after a baby-killing demon. So I thought it was important to sort of unpack all of that for you because you have to know your enemy in order to effectively defeat them. And we need to begin engaging with the priestesses of death as, as if they are priestesses of death because they're telling us that's what they are. They're saying we need altars and sacrifices and incense and blood and worship and pagan yoga. And we need to honor the goddess of abortion by putting her names on our centers. So whether it's satanic abortion doulas or actual abortion activists and their clinics, they're telling you the baby is a baby and it must be sacrificed to demons in order to keep the gift of life pure. Now, here's an interesting point. The abortion doula from Montana, right, she's totally honest. She, she says, my, my client should write letters to the babies they're killing to honor them. She's honest in calling it a baby. She, she's almost saying, we need to humanize the babies that we kill by writing them letters or burning incense for them. But the abortion doulas we're going to discuss next from Iowa, okay, strongly recommend that we not humanize the baby and advise against using words like baby or child. So they're almost more winsome and strategic in how they engage the culture for their deadly agenda. But Lindsay Bork and other abortion doulas are almost saying, hey, come on, guys. I'm grateful for your work. We should help more women kill their children. But be honest. I mean, come on, be honest. It's a baby. We all know that. This group is called the Iowa Jane Collective, probably in reference or hat tip to Jane Roe, right? Roe versus Wade. She was referred to as Jane Roe and uh, or Jane Doe, rather. The Iowa Jane Collective is hosting an abortion doula training. So this is an Iowa-based volunteer organization, calls himself the Iowa Jane Collective, and they recently held an abortion doula training and instructed participants on how to perform do-it-yourself abortions at home and support women seeking to terminate their children as states move to restrict abortion. So this is very interesting because for the for the vast majority of the abortion rights movement, they've said something like this. I'm sure you've heard this before. The abortion decision should only be a decision between a woman and her doctor. Have you heard that? I mean, they always said that between a woman and her doctor, a woman and her doctor, right? Or they say the, uh, you know, a hospital room is too big for a woman and her doctor and the federal government, right? They said the government shouldn't be, you know, intervening in these healthcare decisions. So they've always said that, but now they're explicitly saying that no doctor should be involved. Isn't that an interesting pivot from from recognizing that even though they don't love the unborn child, it is a dangerous procedure. So therefore, a doctor should always be involved for the health of the mother. Now they're just explicitly calling for no doctors to be involved in this decision. They want women aborting at home, which is why the Biden administration through the FDA last year lifted the safety regulations on the sale of the abortion pill which means that women can now get it through the postal service. They can jump on a pill mill website, order the abortion pills. They usually get sent from India. They show up to their mailbox. They pop it, kills the baby. They flush it down the toilet. Um, hey, even if you're pro-abortion, shouldn't you be against that? Like, what if there's complications? Like, that's kind of not very safe. Shouldn't a doctor be involved? And now they're saying, no, <laughs> no doctors involved. Very interesting. It's a lesson 
that the left and the abortion industry doesn't care about the women that they claim to be advocates for. For the abortion industry, pregnant women become just as much of a sacrificial lamb as the unborn child is on the altar, right? They're calling for altars now of abortion access. Now, um, you may have heard of the Steve Dace show. Steve Dace over at The Blaze is a phenomenal conservative Christian voice in the culture wars. I enjoy his podcast. His daughter, Anna Dace, I believe, infiltrated the abortion doula training that this Iowa abortion organization put on. And I believe it was all through Zoom. I don't think it was in person because they're probably afraid of COVID. <laughs> um, and they're probably all quadruple jabbed, right? And so the slideshow in this training explicitly recommends several different forms of dangerous illegal abortion methods for women to pursue, such as yoga and massages and steam treatments and acupuncture. Uh, I mean, like crazy stuff. They're calling for manual vacuum aspiration abortions at home, meaning literally like you're vacuuming the baby out yourself without any doctor. Uh, and then they, they, they advise herbal abortions. They say guidance from an experienced herbalist increases the safety and effectiveness of this pr procedure. Essential oils should never be taken internally due to safety concerns, but various kinds of herbs are often used. And then they list a bunch of these herbs. Pro uh, I have always had trouble with this word. Um, pros prostaglandin imitators, which are cervix softeners, oxytocin imitators, which they say are uterine contractors, progesterone inhibitors, which they call endometrium shedders, um, teas or whole herb capsules that are dosed every few hours, multiple herbs combined together, herbal pessaries and oils sometimes applied directly to the cervix, and use if continued until bleeding occurs. I mean, like crazy stuff. And if, if you're listening to the show, we have the screenshots here as well. So the slideshow covers alternative methods of abortion that women may pursue at home without any assistance of a licensed physician including popular methods such as medication abortions, as well as other techniques such as the herbal abortions and manual vacuum aspirations we just referenced. Uh, a manual vacuum aspiration, uh, according to Women's College Hospital, is, quote, a simple procedure done early in pregnancy which uses a suction of a syringe to remove the pregnancy, they call it, pregnancy tissue from the uterus. Um, another slide describes how many women may use induced hyperthermia to induce abortion, which means intentionally overheating your body with hot baths, sauna, steam, a hot day, uh, untreated fever, or vigorous exercise to cause the baby to die. This slide mentions this technique is, quote, most effective before 12 weeks and often done in conjunction with other methods. Okay, just to be clear, none of these people are doctors. None of them, not a single one. There were all, over 130 people on the call. So the abortion industry, in no uncertain terms now, literally wants to send unlicensed normal Joe and Janes to help people in your community kill their children. The rise of the abortion doula. This will be the next chapter in the post-Roe abortion wars. But the abortion doulas and the trainees in this call would take issue with Lindsay Bork, the Montana abortion doulas, honest language in acknowledging the baby is a baby. So here's one segment from this abortion doula training that Anna Dace was able to infiltrate. Listen to this. Um, a fetus, the medical definition is like the tissue of a pregnancy that um, grows past eight weeks gestational age. Um, before that, it is considered an embryo. Um, a baby or child using that sort of language um, contains connotations of personhood. Um, so when I talk about abortion, I um, talk about pregnancy tissue. Um, it's not wrong for somebody to use the words baby or child when they're talking about a pregnancy, um, but like you don't necessarily want to be using language that your client might be uncomfortable with. Always important to like mirror your client's language and check in, of course, we'll talk more about that later. There you go. So she says, well, you know, it's I mean, I guess it's not like wrong, wrong to use the word baby, but I don't use that word because I don't want people to think it's a baby. So we would advise against using words like baby or child, because then like 
the pregnant mom might think it's the baby's a person. They might think it's a person. You literally says baby and child um, includes connotations of personhood. Ew. We can't use words that connotate that the person's a person and that like a person's a person no matter how small, right, Dr. Seuss? <laughs> I mean, like, so pro-aborts generally get angry when people use humanizing words to refer to the unborn child or when pro-lifers try to pass legislation that forces the public to acknowledge the humanity of aborted children and to treat them appropriately. And so we'll, we'll get to an example of that from a couple years ago in just one second. But But notice defining your your victims out of existence has always been a primary strategy of the practitioners of genocide. Let me say that again. Defining your victims out of existence has always been a primary strategy of the practitioners of genocide. Why? Because the real words might have connotations of personhood, right? So you have to redefine your victim class. This has always been the strategy. Okay. Slaves in America were often were often assigned extremely dehumanizing names. Do you know this? If you studied the history of slavery, white racists would refer to black men as and, and women with terms like Mingo or Savage or Gollywog or Jezebel. And now you hear terms, of course, like Uncle Tom, right? Which they call any black pro-life conservative who, as Clarence Thomas says, deigns to think for themselves and to have their own ideas. What about the Holocaust? Well, they didn't use the word Jew very often. They didn't use the word person. They used the word pigs, rats, vermin. They use these words to refer to Jews. Go study Nazi Germany. Go study the literature. Go study the, the, the communication between the Nazis. Nazis would use words like parasite or bacillus. Want to know what bacillus is translated as? Bacteria. Have you made an abortion connection yet? Abortion advocates have long referred to the unborn child as bacteria or as a piece of vermin. They've used these words to refer to the unborn child. Um, of course, the unborn child is not bacteria because bacteria, by definition, is a different species than its host. But these are the words that the Nazis used to describe those that they exterminated. And then East Europeans were considered untermensch, which literally means subhuman, subhuman, right? So you must always describe your victims as something other than what they really are. Otherwise, they will be humanized in the public conscious, in the public square, and the people will be less likely to go along with your agenda when you're calling these humans for the humans they are. And so how do, does the left refer to unborn children today? They call them POC. What does that stand for? Products of conception. In fact, the Montana Lindsey Bork abortion doula used the term. In the video, she said, this is the, where the container, we put the baby, the fetal pieces or the products of conception, POC. They can't call it a baby, right? Uh, and then th they use the term pregnancy tissue. Did you catch that? Pregnancy tissue. Folks, there's no such thing as pregnancy tissue because, because pregnancy is not, a, is not a thing. It's a condition. Pregnancy is a condition. Conditions don't have tissue. Beings, beings have tissue. So when you're pregnant and you're a, you're a woman who's pregnant and you're a human being, what kind of being are you pregnant with? Well, that's another human being, so that would be human tissue. There's no such thing as pregnancy tissue. But these are the terms that the left must use. Um, by the way, abortionist Warren Hearn, in his textbook, Abortion Practice, which is the leading medical textbook that tr teaches um, doctors how to kill babies, he, he analogizes the unborn to parasites, right? Kind of back to that, that Nazi word bacillus, bacteria, or a parasite. And he says in his book, he says, the relationship between the mother and the baby can be understood best as one of host and parasite. But obviously, Dr. Warren Hearn does not know the English language. Here's the definition of parasite. An organism that lives in or on an organism of another species 
and benefits by deriving nutrients at the other's expense. Is the unborn baby a different species than its host, the mother? No, it's the same species. So by definition, the unborn child is not a parasite. So notice whether it's the Nazis, the, the, the plantation owner racists, or the ageists or pro-choicers today, they must always use language that dehumanizes their victim class. And so they hate whenever pro-lifers propose legislation that humanizes the baby or humanizes the baby after they've been aborted. At the end of 2019, in December of 2019, Pennsylvania passed an abortion law requiring burial for fetal remains. Very interesting. The Pennsylvania Final Disposition of Fetal Remains Act, it was called, or House Bill 1890, was introduced in September, okay? And the bill redefines fetal death to mean death at any point in pregnancy, after conception. Under it, health providers would have to cremate or bury all fetal remains if they aren't claimed by the parents. The bill passed through the state house and, and was being considered by the state senate. Its sponsor stated, Representative Francis Ryan, told the Associated Press, quote, we wanted to craft something that was voluntary, that provided the family with the ability for closure, the ability to understand that a human life was lost, their life that they'd been striving for for so long. So you see, this bill, it's a reminder that these are human beings and that they deserve dignity even after death. But the abortion industry lost their freaking mind. They said, these types of laws have seen a surge in the United States. According to Rewire.News, super pro-abortion publication, part of the region is due to cost. Right now, remains are usually incinerated. Yes, that's true. Usually they burn babies after they've been aborted, which is cheaper than burial or cremation. By mandating that fetal remains be disposed of in a certain way, the laws put financial strain on abortion providers, many of which would have to enter into new contracts with vendors, vendors to follow them. The increased cost of burial and cremation could then translate to providers having to increase the cost of abortions themselves, which is a barrier to access for low-income women in particular. So translation, guys, translation. If we can't take our abortions to market at a competitive price, we'll lose a market share of children who might survive. Because low-income women won't be able to afford our increased prices, which we had to increase because we had to pay more to bury the children that we murder rather than incinerating them for energy, which, by the way, in Washington, D.C., quite literally happens. They burn the bodies of aborted children to create energy for the city. We're going to have to apologize to Joseph Mengele, folks. This is just another way for anti-abortion lawmakers to remove people's agency, they say, right? So the irony, of course, is, uh, well, they say here that, that this law was pushing an anti-abortion lawmaker's understanding of a pregnancy onto people. The irony is that the abortion industry pushes their understanding of pregnancy on the pregnant women that they treat like prospects and the children they dismember. Um, so at the time, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf in 2019 vowed to veto the bill. So what, is, what did all this really mean? Why were they so angry about giving murdered babies a proper burial? Because the pro-abortion movement won't entertain anything that even slightly insinuates that unborn children are persons with the rights therein. Demanding that murdered children are given a proper burial with a death certificate communicates that these unborn children are children with a humanity deserving of respect. So here is the, here is the question of the century, ready? If aborted children should be shown respect after death, death, then perhaps they should have been shown respect while they were still alive. How could we have shown them respect while they were still alive? <laughs> Ding! I know. Don't kill them. If there's something intrinsically valuable about the baby after they've been aborted, such that they deserve a burial and a death certificate then certainly they had enough dignity to deserve a right to life. So anything that humanizes unborn alive children or aborted unborn children is unacceptable to the priestesses of abortion because it communicates the antithetical message to their agenda, which is that these are babies and we all know it. So notice, they're angry at bills like this, which is why these abortion doulas in Iowa are saying, don't use the word baby or child. 
But they're only angry about that because they know deep down it really is a baby and a child. They're just not as honest as Lindsay Bork is, the abortion doula in Montana, who's teaching people how to create altars to burn the baby pieces. Because she's willing to be honest and say, it's a baby. And we should write letters to these babies. Their parents should tell them why they killed them. Well, I think Lindsay Bork's middle name might be Legion. Lindsay Legion Bork. Do you see now? Are your eyes opened yet? Are you awake? They're telling you what I've always been telling you. It's not coming from my mouth. It's coming from the horse's mouth. And if we could have the moral clarity on this issue that the people who kill babies do, maybe we could turn this American experiment around. Now, they don't have moral clarity in the sense that they think it's wrong, but you know what I mean. They have clarity in the sense that they know what's really happening. They just don't care because they have to bring these children to Lilith. Lilith demands the babies. Feed me, she says. We need Lilith tarot cards on our altars because it reminds us of who we're really worshiping. This is what they're saying. We need to worship Lilith. We need to name our centers Lilith. We need to name our abortion funds Lilith. Before you know it, the abortion industry is going to be naming the babies that they allow to live Lilith in honor of their true goddess. Oh, for Christians who are as zealous for their religion as the Satanists are for their religion. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. Today, uh, as of this recording, Sunday, August 7th, we hit 14,000 subscribers on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, uh, which is phenomenal. And we want to see that keep growing, uh, trying to fly under the radar at the technocrats of YouTube who just announced they're cracking down on abortion misinformation and disinformation. You help us do that by hitting subscribe. Can you also go subscribe at Rumble? I have been pressured by my friends to start a Rumble account uh, for if and when I'm ever pulled off of YouTube, which might be inevitable. Uh, We won't get the same traffic on Rumble, but we know we'll be able to exist. So uh, to insulate us against cancellation, can you go to Rumble? unaborted Seth Gruber go find it on rumble and subscribe we appreciate that if you want to book me for an event or sign up for my newsletter or hear me speak live and local soon go to sethgruber.com s-e-t-h-g-r-u-b as in baby boy er.com and to become an ally of the white rose resistance to help me build an army of resistance to turn this abortion war around go to the white rose.life the white rose.life to help us be a pain in the ass a fly in the ointment a stick in the eye to the abortion industry. We can't do it without you. Thank you so much. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.